do want to wish a happy Father's Day to all the dads and adopted dads in the room. I hope it's a special day for you and you just get the time to soak it all in. Would you turn with me please to Ephesians chapter 5, page 829 in the Bibles and seatbacks. Uh, once again, feel free to use your mobile device. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, click on the little three lines in the corner. Then after that, events, Spring Lake Church uh, downtown will pop up. All the notes will be there. And as you're turning there, i got to ask an honest question now. How many of you took Spanish in high school? Can I see a show of hands? All right, a number of you. How many of you, this is the first time you're using your Spanish since you finished high school? Or some of you? Okay, some of you, it's true. I want to thank you for stretching. We, we want to stretch the room. You know, how does the Bible describe heaven as every nation, tribe, and tongue singing out to the Lord? And there's an opportunity within uh, Spring Lake and within Green Bay to, to have that sound like different languages, even within our services. So thanks for stretching with us. It's an opportunity, once again, to, to kind of expand and feel a little bit more like heaven just here. So appreciate you, Jorge, taking us there this morning as well. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up our series, as Bill mentioned, on make or break. And for this message, I wanted to really bring it home by talking about home sweet home. Now, to give you a little background on really my perspective on this, uh, Gina and I have been married for it, just July 28th. It'll be 29 years. And uh, that's obviously exciting. Uh, it's also been some challenges along the way we're both also north of 50 which means this is no longer just puppy love we just act like it so uh it's been a learning curve as we've raised four children ages now they're age 26 to age 19 we also uh lost a child through a miscarriage uh, my family because of what i do lives our life in somewhat of a fishbowl uh, people see my kids my wife they go oh look preacher's kids they must be perfect Oh, look, that's the pastor's wife. She must play the organ. And neither of those is true. Uh, my kids are not perfect. Neither is their dad or their mom. We live in the same stresses, same temptations, same challenges, same humanness, same community as you do. Our marriage isn't perfect, but we can truly say we love each other. Uh, I don't have all the answers as we begin to get into this message today. As a matter of fact, the older my kids got, the less I realized I knew. And it's been, as I said, a learning process. But what I do feel a responsibility to is to pass on some of the things I've learned along the way. So with that in mind, before we even started this series, I knew I wanted Mother's Day to be about the home. And I wanted Father's Day to be about the home. I had my outline started. I had my notes in place. I was getting ready to go. And then... During the Faith Biblical Counseling Conference, right here in this room, one of the speakers, his name was Brad Bigney, asked a question that short-circuited my mind. The question he asked can be applied to all relationships, but really for me it just honed in on our homes. And here's the question he asked. What if God gave us each other to make us holy instead of just happy? What if God gave us each other to make us holy, to make us more like Jesus, instead of just making us happy? What if we went into our marriages not thinking, now I'll be happy. Now I, find, I found someone that will make me happy. 
What if we didn't look at our kids and think, how will they meet my expectations? How can I live vicariously through them? I wish I could have played or done so they will. What if this is more about holiness than happiness? What if, for those of you still living at home, you looked at your parents and instead of seeing a gatekeeper who everything you want, everything that would make you happy is just beyond what they'll let you do. What if we begin to see these relationships and realize it's far more about our holiness than our happiness? Let's take this and let's break it down a little bit. We'll do kind of like a, a movie scene with it, except this isn't like the movies with, with unicorns and cotton candy at the end. Let's look at this realistically. Scene one, curtain opens, it be, life begins, and you meet someone and you marry, and sinner marries sinner. And some of you are like, man, that's kind of extreme. No, it's not. Just do a little side glance if you're sitting beside your spouse right now and ask yourself, are they perfect? Don't answer out loud. I know. Work with me. But then here's what I want you to do. Step two, I want you to think about yourself and I want you to ask, am I perfect? And the answer is no. None of us are perfect. Not even Tom. No, I'm just kidding. None of us are perfect. We all miss the mark. We are all sinners. We all know what we're going in this with our mind, what we want. I think I'm going to work this into my weddings from now on. Do you, sinner, take this sinner to be your lawfully wedded wife? Huh? We have expectations. We know what we want out of it. Sinner is marrying sinner. And on top of the relational curve that's already in place, throw in just basic human emotion. Have you ever noticed that sometimes the emotions of love and anger can feel like they're just one simple misplaced sentence away from each other? You feel like we're finally getting on the same page. You feel like, now I remember why I married them. And then one of you just inserts foot in mouth. Sinner, Mary Sinner, scene one. I've realized... Most people don't fall out of love. They fall out of repentance. They fall more in love with themselves and what they want. Sinner, Mary, sinner. Scene two begins. If God allows, we give birth to these cute little infants and we realize quickly that guess what? They're little sinners. We think, oh, what an adorable little angel until all of a sudden you go to touch something that's theirs and you hear, mine. You tell them, honey, don't touch. What happens? They're going to touch it. The tantrums kick in. The challenges that go with raising a child continue to come along as they get older. Now sinner marries sinner and is raising sinner children who have sinner siblings. What about this sounds like a, a perfect scenario to you? It sounds like the making of a mess. Your kids will not be sinless perfection. I know that because I wasn't and you weren't. I'm not and you're not. You see, as they grow, the same process takes place where they have to grow as adults. Let's be real. All of us are nothing more than grown kids anyway. They have to learn to walk it out. We have to learn to walk it out. What if the whole process is to push us closer to Jesus? Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. It says, submit to one another 
out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, your own husbands, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But holy and blameless in this way, same way. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body. But they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's look at three key relationships in our homes and apply this question to it. What if God made us husbands and wives? What if God made us, uh, gave us marriage to make us holy instead of happy? What if God gave us marriage to make us holy and not just happy? Ephesians, we see it in Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. There's some, there's some iron sharpening iron type of verses here. We see in verse 22, wives submit, verse 33, show respect, verse 25, husbands love. And quickly these can become arguing points. Well, if he would just love me, well, she would just submit to me. Well, if he would just show me the proper love, well, if, he, if she would just respect me, love me, respect me, love me, submit to me. But how does Paul start this whole conversation out? Verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what we want out of this argument. Revere Jesus is what Paul is saying in all we do. I may not be feeling the love for my wife in a moment. We may be arguing and seeing things from opposite perspectives. But I have a responsibility out of reverence, respect, esteem, awe, submission to God. Out of reverence to Christ, we're both to submit to one another. We have a choice to respect and esteem each other. If we want to be happy in marriage, we will accept that marriage is designed to make us holy. Happiness will become a byproduct. The more we become like Jesus, the happier our marriages will be. Husbands and wives, I want to challenge you that marriage is not a 50-50 proposal. It is 100%, 100%. Why do I say that? Because in those moments in, in your home when you have intense fellowship, 
when things aren't going how you want and you draw the line in the sand and you say, I am not going any farther than this. And then they draw the line in the sand and say, I'm not crossing my line. All of a sudden, there's this big chasm between the two of you that neither of you is willing to step across. When these seasons come up, Ryan gave us some insight in this early on in the series when he said we have to be careful of the four uh, marriage apocalypse, uh, the apo- four, mari- four horsemen of the marriage apocalypse. These things that will wreck our marriage when we come to these lines, those four things he told us about were criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Let me say that again. Criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Think about the last time you put your 50% down and said, I won't go any further. And your spouse did the same. What do we do when we realize they're not coming any closer? We get defensive. We take on a defensive posture, body language, heart, attitude. We dare them to try and get us to cross our line. I'm not budging. We get critical of them. Well, this is how you always respond. This is what you always do. You never see it my way. Then we begin to build our wall. I'm not saying another word. I'm not going another inch. We begin to stonewall the situation. Marriage is not a 50-50 proposal. Marriage is 100-100. Guys, what does it say that Jesus loved the church so much that he did what? He gave himself up for it. He gave everything. So an argument over the clicker ought to be no big deal. Marriage is 100-100. Moms and dads. What if God gave us children to make us holy instead of just happy? We see this in Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Paul really aims at dads first, but it's all through Scripture. And we're going to look at that in a moment. We're going to look at two other passages uh, as far as the responsibility that, that parents have in raising children. But I want to tell you this as you raise your children. Parents, please know there is no magic formula. There is no magic formula. I've read the book. I've got the CD series. I've seen the videos. And every child has a different response or a different way of teaching or training them. Let's take a little straw poll. How many of you have more than one child in your home? Can I see a show of hands? Okay. Those of you who have raised your hand, how many of you, your children are different from each other? Can I see a show of hands? It's 100%. I was there when mine arrived. And I, I know they came from the same place and they are totally different. You cannot raise your kids the exact same way. Once again, God has them on a path too. And there are things they're going to need to learn, sometimes the hard way. I was doing a men's retreat about a year and a half, almost two years ago. And I was talking and I just got honest. I started talking about one of the struggles we're having with one of our children. And it was spiritual in nature. And a a dad challenged me and said, well, if you would have raised them in the ways of God, this wouldn't have happened. I was like, really? How old are your kids? Four and six. But talk to me in a few years. Parents, I'm going to tell you now, you will feel like a winner at times, and you will feel like a loser at times. I promise you there will be stages and conversations that you will look back on and wish you had done differently. But I also want to exhort you with this. Do not cast your identity as a parent in either high or low extremes. In those moments when you think, I should write a book on this. Or those moments where you think, I should never marry Gabe. Don't find your identity in either extreme. 
instead live out your faith before them. Realize God is sharpening you as well, making you holy, making you trustworthy. Live and be the example. Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Mothers, fathers, we have the responsibility of teaching. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6 says, train up a child in the way they should go. Another translation says, they ought to go. We point them on the path. Even when they're old, they'll not depart from it. They'll know the way. They have to make the choice for themselves. They need Jesus. Mom and dad, remember, there is no such thing as perfect parents. Just good ones who love their kids and want the best for them. They're God's kids. Grown kids are tough, but this is still true. They're still God's kids. I want to give parents two more, two more words here. First of all, leave your, par- leave your kids a good name. Parents, you're not living for yourself. Leave your children a good name. Proverbs 22 and verse 1. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Final note to mom and dad. And I would say as husbands and wives, I want to challenge you not to view your children leaving the home as the finish line. When you run a race, a lot of times you run with everything you've got. You see the finish line. You make sure you've got nothing left. You go into a sprint. You break across the finish line, and you fall to the ground worn out. Sometimes when we raise our kids, we see the finish line in sight. Thank you, Jesus. We break into our sprint. We're going to get our kids out of here. They graduate. They leave the home. We fall in the recliner exhausted. Nothing left. I want to tell you three reasons not to do that. Number one. Sometimes they come home. (laughs) They'll find their way back. Number two, there will be phone calls where they still need their mom and dad. Have something left. Keep something in the tank. And thirdly, and this is really what I want to hone in on, is mom and dad, you still need to be husband and wife. When the children leave, it's not the end. It's the beginning of a new, new season, a new stage of life for you. Gina and I have just gone through this in the past year. Our youngest just left home. Being totally honest, I adjusted quicker than she did. But there are moments where you are no longer the mom, the doting mom or the, 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 the leading dad of the home. You're a husband and wife. I helped run a basketball league in, in Florida before moving up here. And the guy I ran it with, he was actually an NBA professional shooting coach. His name was Barry. And, and Barry was telling me, we were talking one time, and he raised a bunch of kids, a slew of kids. His last child left the house. He said he turned and looked at his wife and said, who the heck are you? They were divorced within six months. Invest in each other. The finish line is not when your last child leaves the house. That's a a new season for you. God gave us kids to make us holy. Next one, kids. And I would spread this out to those living with your parents. What if you have your parents to make you holy instead of happy? Paul starts in Ephesians 6, and he gives a command to children, and he points out that, hey, this goes right back to the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments, and it's a command with a promise. And it's a promise 
a blessing. Know what your parents say will not always make sense. I think even your parents would agree with that. Know the timing of everything doesn't always make sense, but the principle is true. God's choice is to make you holy more than it is just to make you happy. We see this in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12. Paul writes to Timothy and says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Your life should be an example of being holy, of being more like Jesus. Quick note to those of you who may still be living at home. Pay attention to the influences you have in your life outside of the home. Are they making you happy or holy? Proverbs gives us some example. Proverbs 13.20. It says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion, a companion of fools suffers harm. Proverbs 27, verse 17. says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Proverbs 12 and verse 26, a righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 22, verse 24 and 25, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself in trouble. It says ensnared, but I think you know where that comes ahead. I'm going to close with one word that can be the biggest difference maker in this environment. And that word is forgive. Husbands, wives, moms, dads, children, learn to forgive. Colossians 3 and verse 13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against anyone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The bitter enemy of forgiveness or asking for forgiveness, is pride. C.S. Lewis's pride is taking a telescope and turning it the wrong way. Pride says everything is focused on me and my happiness. Pride can come in many forms, but it ends the same way every time, and that is self-satisfaction and self-worship. The essence of pride is me. The best thing we can do to defeat pride is invite Welcome, correction. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 1 will be up on the screen. And I'd like us to read this together. Ready? Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But whoever hates correction is stupid. Don't you feel like a four-year-old? It's stupid. He who hates correction, whoever hates correction, you're going to find yourself in the stupid group. I'll tell you now in regard to the home. In 28, almost 29 years of marriage, I have had to forgive Gina numerous times. You can believe that she has had to forgive me numerous times. I have had to forgive all four of my children throughout their lives. And my children have had to accept my forgiveness. They've had to forgive me throughout their lives as well. It can be a game changer if we can learn, moms and dads, husbands, wives, children, to give and accept forgiveness. Luke chapter 6 and verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Would you bow your heads with me, please?
Father, you've given us relationships, and they're intricate, and they're challenging, and they can feel tedious at times, and they're a struggle. But God, the whole goal, as we've seen today, brings joy to life, brings deeper meaning and even satisfaction in life. But God, the goal is to make us holy, to make us more like you. I pray, Lord, that each of us will be aware of the opportunities and the times we have to grow and be stretched. And in those moments of tension, when it doesn't feel like it's going our way, we may remember to ask the question, is this making me more like Jesus? In Christ's name we pray.